Our ancestors had a way to reboot their focus, energy, and productivity automatically, even if they were utterly exhausted. And now they did this out of necessity, but you can do the same thing intentionally. And by harnessing this ancient adaptation, you can get three days of work done in one. Hey there, Rian Doris here, co-founder of the Flow Research Collective, along with New York Times bestselling author Stephen Kotler, and welcome to Flow State Unlocked, where we decode the neuroscience of flow states so that you can use these states of profound peak performance to sharpen your focus, triple your productivity, and reach your goals in record time. Now listen, you're at work, sitting glued to one spot hour after hour, and it starts to get to you. You know that feeling, your body gets a little bit uncomfortable. There's this growing, gnawing, oh, creeping up on you. There's a knot in your back, so you squirm a little bit, yearning for a stretch. You baby bend down, you reach for your toes, or rub the small of your back, trying to shake off the stiffness and rigidity that builds up as you're sitting there. This discomfort screws up our focus. It makes us bored and restless, causing us to reach for that third cup of coffee to counteract the fatigue. It's like being a block of Play-Doh that's been left out too long. At first, you're soft, supple, malleable, full of creative potential, but as the hours tick by, you start to stiffen and harden until eventually you're just a lumpy, rigid mass that just doesn't feel quite right in your body. No one likes that feeling. And the science shows that there's a way to fix this. You don't have to be hostage to the monotony of sitting in a chair all day and having this stiff, rigid feeling in your body build up and damage your focus or energy. Rather, you can reclaim your energy and finish your day strong just like you started. And this is not about some new magical coffee blend or a new type of mushroom supplement or power nap strategy. It's not an app or a tool, it's not AI. It's about tapping into a hardwired evolutionary adaptation so powerful yet so overlooked in the modern workplace that it will change how you work forever. Now, one of my closest friends, Idausa, who's a brilliant mind, inventor of the mimic method and the movement method, were huddled together in this co-working place a number of years ago called Banff, where I'm building my first company. And Idausa's desk is beside me and it looks like a jungle gym. It's decked out to the nines with foam rollers, with hanging contraptions, with stretching gear, with an automatic standing desk. And me, well, I'm the classic startup story. Eyes glued to the screen, fingers permanently on the keyboard, clocking 80 hours a week, sitting at the damn desk. And while my business is my baby, my blood and my bones, it's starting to hurt me, literally, physically. I'm in more and more pain. The harder I work, the more difficult it is to stand up straight. My posture is breaking down. I'm getting more and more hunched. My lower back cramps, my glutes go numb. And right when I need attention more than anything else, this general physiological fatigue slows me down. And one day, we're both taking a break from work together, me and Adousa, and we're in line to grab a coffee. And I'm caught in this weird ballet where I'm bending over, I'm sort of tugging at my shoes, trying to wring out some relief from the cramp in my spine that's shooting down my legs, all thanks to sitting and working like I'm possessed. And out of the blue, Idausa looks at me and he says, what the hell are you doing? No wonder you're bending over, trying to get out of pain with your bashed up back. Why are you sitting while you're working? And it's like a record scratch, a pause button, a little glitch in the matrix. What a weird question. I stare at him, a million retorts bubbling up. And he says, dude, working is not synonymous with sitting. 
And that's when this new frame got burned into my brain, which is to say that your body's position determines how hard work feels. Posture shapes the perception of effort. A stiff body makes work hard. A loose body makes work feel easy. And Adesta wasn't saying I was working on the wrong things. He was saying I was working in the wrong way, literally, physically, the way my body was positioned in space was blocking me from peak performance and beckoning in burnout. Now that day, Adousa set my body and ultimately my mindset straight. Now, could something as simple as your body position at work be that counterproductive? Is your way of working working against you to that degree? Well, working in the same environment for a long time is like hiking up a mountain. The longer you climb without changing the scenery, breaks or diversions, the steeper the mountain ends up feeling and the more exhausted you become. Changing your environment or position is like finding a smoother, more scenic path. It doesn't change the height of the mountain, but it makes the climb feel easier. Now go back about 250,000 years. Picture yourself as an early human, a nomad in a sprawling desert landscape. You've been traversing the same barren, monotonous expanse for days and you're bloody exhausted. Your brain, in response to the unchanging surroundings, has hunkered down into a kind of energy conservation mode. It's holding back resources because the sameness of the environment that you're in implies that new resources, water, food, are scarce. Then abruptly, you stumble upon a verdant oasis. Trees rise to the sky, plants crowd the ground, water gurgles from a spring. This sudden shift in your environment triggers a chemical chain reaction in the brain. The novelty of this new environment signals the presence of potential resources. Maybe there's more food, more water here. Maybe there's even a mace lurking around. So your brain releases a squirt of dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter closely tied to focus, reward, and motivation. And this dopamine release amplifies your energy reserves and decreases your perception of effort. You become more alert, your senses heighten and you're ready to explore and exploit this new landscape that may have new resources in it. It's as if your brain flicks a switch from conserve to explore mode. Now, fast forward to today. Your brain, though nestled in the more comfortable confines of an office or one of your home work spaces, still operates in the same way. When you sit in one place, static, your environment is unchanging and your brain falls into energy conservation mode. It perceives a desert and your effort, productivity, and creating problem solving weaken progressively over time. On the other hand, when you alter your environment, stand up, move around, change your perspective, your brain responds as if you've discovered a new oasis full of potential new resources. The dopamine surge heightens your alertness, increases your energy, and sharpens your problem solving skills. Ever notice how a long car ride can start to make you drowsy? It's because your brain is bored from the unchanging nature of the environment. Now, imagine hitting a city with traffic, lights, and people. Suddenly you're alert. Changing your position or environment works the same way. In short, your environment shapes your stamina. Productivity thrives on novelty and wilts on monotony. When you stir your surroundings, you spark your mind. But dopamine, though a powerful mechanism, is just one part of why switching position and place works so well.
So what are the other reasons? Well, first, there's perceived exertion. This measures how hard you feel like your body is working. And there are various scales used to quantify perceived exertion. If you're a weightlifter, you might be familiar with the board rating of perceived exertion, RPE, which is a scale that is the most widely used on this topic. And this scale typically ranges from six, no exertion, through to 20, which is maximum exertion. Now, second, there's perceived effort, which measures how hard you feel like your brain is working. And it can also refer to the cognitive strain associated with doing mental tasks. So perceived exertion is primarily physical, perceived effort is primarily mental. But in both cases, it's about the subjective experience of how hard one feels they're working to perform a given task. And as a rule of thumb, to reduce perceived exertion, change positions. To reset perceived effort, change places. Just as changing channels on your TV offers fresh content and renews your interest, shifting your physical position and environment refreshes your brain and renews your focus. So suppose you've been focusing on a task for three hours at your desk, which is place A. You then change your working environment, moving to your backyard, let's say, which is place B. This switch in your surroundings can trick your brain into thinking that it has exerted less effort than it actually has. Suddenly, it feels as though you've only been working for 90 minutes. Such a change of scene is like hitting a reset button on your brain's fatigue levels. You go from an exertion level of 20 to an exertion level of 10. And with this reset, your mental stamina gets a boost, much like a computer clearing its cache to run more effectively. So this position and place that you work in ends up defining your sense of effort and exertion. Change these and you cheat fatigue. So how do you actually do this? What do you mean by change positions within your current workplace? Well, are we asking you to be like my friend Adousa with the foam roller, the pull-up bar, the jungle gym desk setup? Well, thankfully, it's a little more simple than that. There are really only two steps you need to get 100% of the benefit from this protocol. Step one is to set up your main working environment for sitting, standing, and walking. Those three, sitting, standing, walking. Because again, remember, working is not synonymous with sitting. So first off, you want to get a standing desk for your spine, posture, and access to flow, which is a term popularized by psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi to describe a state of optimal experience and extreme productivity. Now, when standing, a mild positive sense of urgency washes over you because we're only standing temporarily. We know the task won't last forever. So focus increases and we end up working faster. And the research backs this up, showing that standing while working reduces fatigue and stress, promoting better blood circulation, meaning there's actually more oxygen and nutrients delivered to the brain and muscles, which increases alertness and cognitive function. Plus, individuals who reduce their sitting time by three hours per day can increase life expectancy by two years. That's a nice bonus that you get as well. But most importantly, it reduces perceived effort. Your body reaches fatigue in one position and this fatigue affects your performance. When you switch position, you get the reset. Now, generally speaking, it is recommended to sit for no more than two hours at a time and to stand and walk for five to 10 minutes for every 30 minutes of sitting. But for flow, the ratio is different. While working throughout your 30, 40, 50, 60 hour work week, whatever it is, you want to stand for 50% of the time. That means, you know, 20 
30, 40 hours a week, depending on how many total hours you work. You want to walk for 25% of the time. That means probably, if you work a decent amount, walking for a couple of hours a day. And then you only want to sit for 25% of the time. Now, standing while working will not work without one key piece of equipment, which is a motion board. Without a motion board, your feet and legs will cramp up, pressure will compound into the small of your lower back, which makes standing unpleasant and unsustainable. With one, with a motion board, you're always subtly rocking from left to right, which means you're always offsetting the pressure on each leg, which reduces perceived exertion even more and contributes to good posture and makes standing comfortable and energizing. Plus, your increased muscular activity activates the vestibular system, which is responsible for maintaining balance, spatial orientation, and coordination. Now, if you're thinking, I don't have the resources to get a standing desk or a treadmill, well, for the standing desk, it doesn't need to be fancy. What I used to use was a stack of big books that I would throw on top of a normal desk or a stack of boxes, whatever it is. Just set up your laptop or monitor on top of this stack and you're good to go. For switching positions, you can use an exercise or stability ball. Go from your chair to the ball, swapping how you sit, even while sitting. And then for walking, you can take walking meetings and get an inexpensive treadmill to put under your treadmill desk, which is what I strongly recommend doing. To make sure your audio is clear and professional when you're walking, taking meetings, tiny little tip for you. Get the old wired Apple headphones. Go a little retro with me. They have a way better mic, and when you throw voice isolation mode on, you can walk anywhere, through traffic, through a shop if you want, and no one will be able to hear a thing on a call, which is a great hack. Now, here's the key. Walking isn't just for staying fit, engaged, or reducing perceived effort. It's also for increasing our access to flow state while we work. Now, I learned this when I first started working with Stephen Kotler. At the time, I was doing my final college exams at Trinity College in Dublin. The exams were in a place called Balls Bridge, about a mile and a half from the university. So I'd get a massive four-shot Americano and walk to the exams instead of calling a taxi or driving. The reason I did this was because of something called exercise-induced transient hypofrontality, EIT for short. During EIT, your brain diverts resources from the prefrontal cortex, the area that manages complex cognitive tasks, toward the parts that control physical movements and automated responses, which are the kinds of responses that happen in flow. So this subtle shift plays a role in the subjective experiences associated with flow, such as the reduced sense of self-consciousness, the time distortion where hours go by and what feels like minutes, and the increased focus that occurs on the present moment. And you can do this too. Take your calls and meetings while walking. And as you walk, you'll notice that you'll unlock flow. And after the walk, because of the exercise-induced transient hypofrontality in your prefrontal cortex downregulating, you will also be able to get into flow more immediately in the next thing that you do post the walk. Okay, that's step one. Step two, set up three additional working environments. Ideally, you want three work environments minimum that each have variables pretty fixed and set up so you can start work fast and easily. Here's why. First, as I mentioned, you reset perceived effort of the task by resetting the environment. But introducing novelty into your workspace isn't just a trick for your brain. It also gives you a sense of autonomy and control, which is a vital component for inducing flow. So critically, this also shortcuts the struggle phase. Flow state doesn't work like a light switch where it's on or off. Rather, flow is more part of a four-stage cycle from struggle to release to flow, then a recovery phase in the back end. Now, struggle is the hardest part to get past. 
and it's the phase that most professionals stay stuck in, never releasing past struggle into the flow state. But by rotating your work environment and reducing perceived effort, you shorten the struggle phase and get more flow. So set up three places where you can work every day and reduce the variability within those environments, meaning gate distractions, remove friction, and make it easy to slip into work and get into flow in those different environments. For switching places, you don't need to overcomplicate it either. You don't have to set up a full-fledged office in multiple locations. That's not what I'm suggesting. In fact, that would actually decrease the novelty in each environment because you want the environments to be very different to maximize this effect of resetting perceived effort. Use your office as the primary workspace. Maybe just use a couch, whether in either room or another workspace down the road from you with good noise-canceling headphones. You might be thinking, I worry that constantly changing my environment might disrupt my concentration and negatively impact my productivity. I need to focus a deep dive into my work and moving around constantly might just serve as a distraction. Well, listen, it's natural to think continuity ensures focus. But research suggests novelty is also critical and it combats fatigue. So start with minor changes, varying your environment according to the type of work. It's not about disruption, but it's about stimulating your mind and remembering that effort is anchored to the environment within which you are exerting. So if you change the environment, you reset the degree to which your mind believes you have exerted effort. So we wanna remember that, and that's why it's so worth breaking continuity for flow and focus, even though that might seem paradoxical. And keep in mind, what you're doing is using each environment for a deep work block of multiple hours. It's not like you're switching every 10 minutes and fragmenting your task. It's more like every two hours or so. And this also has the added benefit of making you treat each block of work and focus like an event. Every time you go into a new environment, a new event has begun with the event being an uninterrupted block of focus and flow. And this is how we want to work in an event-based fashion where each task is viewed as its own discrete box, like a sprint that we're going to give everything to. Now, you may also think, look, I have a team to manage and collaborate with. How can I possibly ensure everyone is changing their positions and environments regularly? And wouldn't this affect our communication and collaborative efforts? Well, granted, look, team dynamics add complexity, yet balance is achievable. Establish core hours for collaboration. And outside of that, encourage individual environment shifts. Do walking meetings whenever possible. Whenever I work in person with others, we do transition rituals like going out for a cup of coffee at the coffee shop up the road here, which resets perceived effort when we get back to the office. So set up your main workspace to accommodate sitting, standing, and walking. Although you may do the walking outside the main workspace, but get that treadmill desk as well. And then identify and set up three places that you can work every day and easily rotate between. Maybe it's your main office, another room in the house, and a coffee shop down the road. And then when you feel a dip in energy or the sense that work is getting hard, it's a signal to change your position. When fatigue really starts kicking in, it's a signal to change places. Okay, that's the heuristic. And with each swap, you give yourself another shot at getting into flow by leveraging the dopamine that comes in the novelty of the new environment and physical position you're putting your body in, which will allow you to squeeze out another burst of prime productivity. So remember the golden rule, sitting is not synonymous with working and your environment shapes your stamina. Now, one more thing that's essential to really make this work. So again, changing positions and places works to reduce perceived effort and exertion, but it's not sufficient to sustain flow 
over the course of an entire workday alone. You have to take breaks too. And in particular, you have to take the kind of breaks that boost dopamine instead of depleting it. Rian here again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Flow State Unlocked. If you want to catch this episode with all the visuals and lots of fancy, beautiful animations that we put together so you can more deeply understand these concepts, then head over to our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com forward slash Rian Doris, and I'll see you there.